In the coming weeks, Urim, we are going to focus on some other aspects of Sirius Pilim and different halachas that apply to the workers and to the employers. For example, we're going to discuss Minig HaMedina, the common custom and how it impacts the agreement of employment. Similarly, we're going to discuss the work ethic. What's the responsibility of the employer to the employees and the employee to the employer? We're going to discuss timely payments. That's the responsibility of the employer to make sure he pays his worker on time. And also, if there's accidents that take place in the workplace or while on the job, or if it's a dangerous kind of job, is it permitted, is it not permitted, and we begin with the first topic, which is the Midigah Medina common custom. Let us look at the Mishnah Bab Messiah Das Pei Gimel Amid Aleph. The Mishnah in Bab Messiah Das Pei Gimel Amid Aleph, the beginning of the seventh paragraph of Bab Messiah, says as follows: Hasaycheres Apayelim, someone that hires workers, ve'amar lahem lahashkim laharev, and he tells them to come early and to go home late. In other words, he tells them to come, let's say, from sunrise to sunset, or from dawn till nightfall. If it's a place where the minig is not to work from dawn till dusk, then he's not allowed to force them to do that. What are we discussing over here? We're discussing where the agreement was to work common custom. In other words, 9 to 5. Even though it wasn't spoken out specifically, but it's assumed that the, what the Balabayas was requesting was the regular hours of work that anyone does. He went, he picks up the workers, he tells them, come work for me, come work for me today. He means to work for him the normal times. But if afterwards he tries to change the terms of employment on them and tries to say, well, I really want you to work earlier and go home later, that will not work because the halacha is we follow the common custom and we do not uh, allow him to change the terms. Now the question is, why should we allow him to change the terms even if not for the common custom? So the Gemara asks as follows. The Gemara says, Pshita. Pshita, it's Pasha that, he should not, that they should not be forced to do extra hours of work. So the Gemara answers, He gave them extra money. He pays them more than normal workers. In other words, this Malabayas pays very generously. This employer is a generous employer. He pays generously. So, Mahu you would think, that's what I'm giving you extra money, I'm paying you generously, is I want you to come earlier and to go home later. I don't want you just working from 9 to 5. I want you working from 7 to 7. They can tell him back, since the common custom is not like you. The reason why you gave us extra money is because you wanted us to do a better job. Not to work longer, rather to work better, to be more industrious, to be better workers and have better work ethics, not to take any extra breaks or whatever it is. And therefore, that's the reason why you're paying us extra money. The Mechaber in Simon Shin Lamed Aleph, Sif Aleph quotes the Gemara, the Mechaber says, if the custom in that place is not to get up early and to work from early hours all the way to late hours, he's not allowed to force them. 
even if he added extra salary, even if he pays them extra, more than the norm of that country. Since he did not make this requirement of them at the time that he hired them. Says the Sma in Sifkat and Aleph, he could say, That means to say, the worker can tell, the balabayas, the employee, can tell the employer, that's what you added on, extra money, was an order that we should do your work better. We should do a better job at what we're hired for. And we did that. We did that. We actually did a better job. We put in more effort. We didn't waste time. And therefore, you cannot force us to do any different than the custom in this city or in this country. That's the halacha of Minig Hamadina. The Yerushalmi over here quotes this um, source of the Mishnah as, as the source for the halacha that we find all over Cheshire Mishpat. That common custom, Minig Hamadina, has a very big impact on many halachas in Cheshire Mishpat. Many different shilas and many different understandings of agreement are based on common custom unless discussed or planned or made conditional otherwise. Why is that? Because usually the custom is the intention of the people who are agreeing and we assume that since this is a common custom the two parties knew about that, they were aware of that and therefore when they made their agreements their agreements were based on their knowledge of the custom. There's a discussion in Paiskim, if we know clearly that one of them did not know, that's a different discussion, we're not going to get it into it right now. But usually it's assumed that both sides know it, and therefore that will be the deciding factor in many of the Shilas and Halacha. Rebkiva Eger on the side of Shulchan Aruch points out something very interesting, that, that even against a mochzik, this works. Now usually a Chesh Mishra, if a person is a mochzik and you want to prove to him, you want to take something away from him, you have to prove it to him, so you're, the burden of proof is on the person who's moitzi ha moitzi mechaveroi olavaraya. That's the <coughs> rule of thumb in Dine Mominus and Chesham Mishpah, that if you want to take money away from somebody, you have to prove it. Says so Rebbe Eger, when it comes to Minig, it's different. Even though the Balabayas is the one that's paying, that's laying out the money, that's paying the salaries over here in our case, which we discussed, and we're forcing him to pay this extra generous salary, even though he's not getting what he says he wants, what he meant to get. Why? Because we're saying minhug hamakim is kaveya, and it overrides the custom. I'm sorry, overrides the agree, the uh, unspoken uh, anything that he intended without speaking out, because he should have spoken it out. Unless, and if he didn't, he has to follow the common custom. So this is a, a very, very big chiddush that. A minhag has the ability to go against the mochzik, has the power to go against the mochzik. Now we know in Halakhamam Nachariv, there's so many different halachas that that require a person um, to bring proof to be able to get any money from somebody. And here we have a very powerful uh, halacha that goes in the total opposite direction, which is that if you have a minhag, then it goes the other way around. That's the first part of the shir. Second part of today's shir, I would like to discuss the concept of the shibut of Sirius Pilot. What exactly is the me- mechanism, the mechanics of the shibut of the pilot of the worker to the employer? Now we had mentioned in previous shiurim 
a few concepts as, as far as Pilem go. One is that Surah's Pilem is Nikna Bedibur in a certain way. That means to say that without an official act of a Kenyan, without a real legitimate Kenyan, nonetheless you remain bound by the terms of the verbal agreement. The verbal agreement of Surah's Pilem is binding. In fact, I heard Lahavda Elf Abdullah in certain areas of common law as well. You're bound by verbal agreement, and probably it was taken straight out of our halachas, just like many other halachas of employment were. And therefore, a person is bound by the agreement, so his problem is nikna bedibur. Now, when is that dibur chal? When is it nikna? When does it um, come into effect? When does it lock in the Sheba? That's number one. We want to see that. Number two is the din of pile chayzer b'chasi hayoyim, the halacha that allows a pile to back out in the middle of the day. Why is that the case? So we spoke out before, because Hashem says, Avadai hei, v'lai avadim l'avadim. People are Hashem's slave. Chal Yisrael are slaves to Hashem, the service of Hashem, not in the service of people. Therefore, you cannot remain bound like a slave. So the question is, what exactly does that mean? In other words, how does that impact us? Is that just the fact that a pile could be chayzer? Does that require, is that a requirement in order just for the pile to be chayzer, like sort of, so to speak, as a kula, a kula that the pile can use to get out of his um, requirement to, uh, on the job, to work on the job? However, l'chumra, does it, is there any ramifications in the fact that he's imitating the, the actions of an evid? Is there a problem with that or not? So I would like to speak out, there's a big machlaikas achreinim, as an introduction to the next part of the shir, basically the main maramakim which one should have a look at in this discussion would be the Machnafraim and Sirius Pilum Sif Aleph. And the Machnafraim over there basically details a bunch of different shitas who argue what kind of shibut, what kind of requirement and, and servitude, so to speak, does the worker have? What is he obligated to the employer? Is it a shibut haguf? Just like a slave, you own his goof, you own his body, and because you own his body, his requirement to work sort of emanates from that Kenyan that you have on his body. Or is it just a Sheba, like Paris, that you have the right, he has to produce for you a Sheba Nechazim, a Sheba Mammon you have on him, that he has to produce for you certain the jobs that you request. But you don't actually own him outright. So he brings down different opinions this way, and that way, notably, Tysus' opinion that the evidence is not nikna ashibur haguf taisus is not hope why and taisus says because avadei heim v'loy avadim lavadim taisus in kedushin dafi zayin amidalif and other places that avadei heim v'loy avadim lavadim and evid cannot be a real ashibur uh, haguf because then that would transgress that would be stepping on the toes of the halacha of avadim lavadim and that Hashem does not allow the the problem is that we find steerus back and forth in different paiskim in the Shulchan Aruch. Now, I would like to speak out the most obvious ramification of the shitas that hold that there is actually a shibud haguf. There is an actual shibud on the body of the pile. And that's the famous halacha of the Ramah in Simon Shinlam and Gimel Sifhei. The Ramah in Shinlam and Gimel Sifhei speaks out that I'm sorry, Siv Gimel speaks out 
And the Ramah speaks out, for this reason, he is not allowed to hire himself out to be in the base Balabayas on a consistent basis for three years. The three years discussed over here, where does it come from? Why three years? Why not six years? We know every in the Torah is six years. So the Smans of Kantas above points out the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, Mikte Shalei Shonim Kishnei Socher, which is Mishnah Shachar Socher, basically double of a Socher equals an Evan. So to speak, that the double level of the Sheba that an employer has, employee has to an employer, if he would double the the power would be to the power of two, it would be a total servitude, it would be a total slavery. So half of that, three years of it, not six years, three years of it would be, would not be an abdus, since it's only half, which is the level of a regular schirus. However, once it passes the threshold of three years, it would be three years and a day, he's already stepping into the territory of double schirus, and that would be considered abdus, and therefore it's forbidden. The Pisli Chuba discusses at length why we find that different contracts were made for longer. One of the justifications is the fact that they look at the territory of full Avdus only after you reach a total of six years, not just three years in a day. So therefore the contracts were sometimes extended, especially to the Rabbanim. It was very, very common that the contracts would be a lot longer. He brings the Chuvus Sam Seifer and other Chuvus. And the reason for that being that it's not obvious until you reach the full six years, uh, minus a day. That would be, as long as you're minus a day, you're still safe. So the full six years um, would be the avdus. The Shach also points out that if someone is in desperate straits, and it's literally a question of food to eat, the, the Shach points out that that's already the same situation that Ebed used to find himself during the time of the Beis HaMikdash, which is that he have to sell himself in order to work. So therefore, you can't make it, you can't block that person from, have, from having this option of renting himself out to serve an other and to work for the employer for that amount that he needs in order to support himself. So therefore, even longer than that would be allowed. So, and therefore, this halacha that I'm talking about is only when it's less than, uh, when a person has more food to eat, that he ha- and he doesn't need this, these, um, all the, this, this amount of time of six years or whatever, he just, so he technically could have gotten away with less, and he continues, then it's usher. Now, I'd like to get back to the point which we mentioned at the outset, and that is that now that we understand the different opinions and what kind of Sheba there is, so it would seem that everybody has to agree to a certain extent there is a Sheba HaGuf. Because if there would be no Sheba HaGuf at all, then there would be many halachas in this, Simon, which we would not understand. One of them is that we find that the Ramah himself, in other places, seems to be mashma that there that there's no shibragov, and here he says clearly that you can't work for more than three years, or else that would resemble the shibragov of Nevet. Similarly, we find different theorists between in the Machaber himself, and and basically it's pretty clear from the fact also that a kablin and a pile are considered different as far as the right to be chayzer. And uh, because if Pyle would not have a Shibra Gov, what would make him any different than the Kablan? So it's pretty clear that there's 
definitely a Shibar HaGuf coming into play, although Taisa says it's not the full Shibar HaGuf. So I wanted to offer one time, based on a piece in Birch Shmuel, that the, the Birch Shmuel discusses that clearly there is a Shibar HaGuf, according to everybody, and that would be in the in sort of in, in the Havana that we find in various places in the Gemara, that a concept called Deca Leperis. Deca Leperis is when you buy a palm tree and you're buying it only in order to get the fruit. So there's two ways you can do it. You can either buy the fruits in advance before they grow, which is obviously a crab of label island, or you can buy the tree, a schus, sort of a, 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 um, a share in the tree, so to speak, that to own the fruits that will come out of it. So you're selling him something actually right now, it, which is in existence right now. You're selling that to him, and you're allowing the person to have some kind of ownership in the tree itself. So it sounds like the, the pile, in our case as well, is owned by the employer, even if you want to say he's not fully owned the Shibra Guf, but it's definitely a source in the pile himself that his actions, his Maishi that he's going to do, is going to be emanating from your schos in him, and not just as a separate purchase on his payers. This Birch is above Matthias and Miralo. It's not brought down in the sort I just wanted to speak it as an extra thing. So to sum it all up, the schos of an employer in his employee is something related to a shibur in the guf of the employee. He has a schos in the employee himself. Now I believe that this Shiba takes place, Bedibor, Sriyas Pailam, is Nikna Bedibor, like the Ramban says, which we said many times before, that when the worker starts to work, or he, he goes to the job based on their agreement, that already creates that Shiba Hagof. And I found that the Pesachachachim brings down from the Mabit that says this clearly. So that Shiba Hagof happens right then. Now I'd like to say that this actually comes from a Gemara. The Gemara says in Baba Metziah that I am Baba Medalev. And it's brought down in a few different places in Baba Metziah itself. The Gemara says that if a, an employer hires an employee to work in the field of someone else, not in his own field. The Gemara says, He told the worker to come work for him, but then he switched it and sent him to work for his friend. Now, who is the one that has to pay the worker? Who is the shibud of the worker too? Is it simply that if I do work for you, so with each, I guess you could say, each minute of work that I'm doing, you now have to pay me another dollar? So there, if that would be the case, then whoever I'm working for should be the person who has to pay me the money. Right? The same way we find by anything. If you sell someone something, the person who you're selling to has to pay the money. So I'm working for the other person now, so he's the one who has to pay me. But the Gemara doesn't say that. The Gemara says that the person who made the agreement with the worker is the one who has to pay even for his friend's job. It seems clearly from here that the Gemara is not just telling me the din of Nen, of the fact that he's giving his friend Ana so he can go back and collect from his friend. It seems that the Gemara is trying to also tell me a halacha that the agreement, that the structure of an employer-employee agreement happens deeper to the person that you spoke to. That means to say you are meshubah to work for that person 
and that person is mishubed to you to pay you. And even if you work for someone else, nonetheless, the agreement remains between you and him. So you sort of own the person to do work in order, even if you send him to work for someone else, because your ownership in him is giving him is giving you the source to tell him what where to go and have, what kind of work to do. Therefore, you would have to pay. That would be the concept of the Shuvah of Sirius Pilon based on the Gemara and the Paiskim.